Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you may be, ladies and gentlemen. I am Joe Szymanski with Elections Daily. Uh, I have another candidate interview for Virginia 2021 today uh, with me. She is a Norfolk City Councilwoman, a Democrat, and she is running for Lieutenant Governor, uh, Andrea McClellan. Uh, Ms. McClellan, thank you for coming on with me today. Thanks for having me, Joe. Happy to be here. Okay, so the first question I ask this to everyone, uh, what made you decide to run for Lieutenant Governor? You know, I decided to run because I know that we can be doing better in Virginia. Uh, I think I've got the experience, uh, the skills to hit the ground running from day one, and I'm ready to take the job on. Okay, so how did you first get involved in Virginia politics? Oh, goodness. Uh, does it count student council president in high school? Probably not. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I um, after uh, graduating from Virginia Beach Public Schools, going to the University of Virginia, um, going out into the workforce, um, my family and I moved back to the region um, in around 2000, 1998, uh, sorry, uh, and, um, you know, continued to get involved with the community, with nonprofits, uh, and helping those in need. But that said, it was 2008 that really sort of sparked my interest to get back involved in the political game, and I became a precinct captain for the Norfolk City Democratic Committee, inspired by Barack Obama's run. And I've been involved ever since, helping candidates up and down the ballot, local, state, and federal level. Uh, got involved at the state level in 2013, serving as treasurer for uh, Ralph Northam's lieutenant governor campaign. And then I actually ran my first election very briefly, a 10-day special election in 2013 for that Senate seat for uh, District 6 that opened up after Northam was successful in his LG race. Um, it was a 10-day race. I was one of three candidates uh, against two incumbents, and I came in third. Uh, but it was a great learning experience. And from there, I actually uh, got more involved at the state level with the Democratic Party of Virginia and served as vice chair of finance in 2014 and 2015. And um, at that time, uh, in 2015, I resigned my position to focus on local government because I decided to take on a 16-year incumbent here for the Norfolk City Council. Um, which was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it was interesting that having been involved with uh, supporting lots of local candidates over the years, I talked with a variety of folks in the community when I decided to run, and I was shocked by some of the folks who said to me, you know, Andrea, it's not your time. Uh, you, you need to wait your turn. You won't raise enough money. Uh, this isn't how it's done. And I, you know, just said, politely thank you so much um, I look forward to working with you if I'm successful and fortunately because I had a great team and I think I had a great message and people were ready for a change I beat him in 19 of 23 precincts and now I represent half of the city so about 125,000 Virginians which is actually the largest constituency of any of the lieutenant governor candidates in this race mm -hmm. well, so that is that is my friend how I uh, got started in, in Virginia politics I also uh, I, I went through the Sorensen Political Leaders Program in 2013 and now serve on that state advisory board. And I'm also on the national advisory board for UVA Center for Politics. Oh, OK. So uh, you mentioned you come from the you come from the you grew up in the Virginia Beach area. You're in the eastern shore area now with Norfolk. Uh, one of the big issues that that area faces is the effects of climate change. Uh, do you think Virginia is giving enough focus to combating climate change in this area? In, in a word, no, um, but let me clarify. So the eastern shore is not part of Norfolk. It's a different 
portion of, of the Commonwealth. Um, and if I didn't clarify that, I'd have a lot of upset people. Unfortunately, what so often happens when people have a map of the Commonwealth, they leave off the shore, which is a, a big no-no. So I want to make sure I, I, I mention that. Uh, listen, I've been involved prior to uh, running for city council. I also served in the planning commission for three years. So I've been involved with land use issues and flooding for um, almost a decade. And I will tell you that um, there are so many things that need to be done here. Um, climate change is not a future issue. It's a here and now issue. The road that I drive to get to City Hall uh, is often flooded several times a month on sunny days because of sea level rise. So we have got to be addressing both climate change mitigation. How do we, how do we reduce our future risk? Um, by reducing our carbon footprint and climate change adaptation. So how do we deal with it now? So in a city which is home to the largest naval base in the world, one of the busiest ports on the East Coast, and second only to New Orleans in terms of flood risk, we have identified billions of dollars of projects, uh, infrastructure projects to address this, but we just simply do not have the funds to, to deal with this at the local level. So we need our state and federal partners to help out. We're making some headway. Um, I helped to secure $120 million after Hurricane Sandy as part of the National Disaster Resilience Competition. Um, while I was in the Planning Commission, now in Council, we're implementing that project where we're taking two neighborhoods on the eastern branch of the Elizabeth River, and we are trying to create uh, the coastal community of the future with a variety of uh, green and gray infrastructure projects. But to answer your question, listen. We need to um, we need to do everything we can to introduce more clean renewable energy to the Commonwealth. I'm very excited about the 5.2 gigawatts of offshore wind off the coast of Virginia Beach that I have been lobbying for since 2017. Was excited when the governor in 2018 announced that. I'm now on a statewide offshore wind task force to talk about how do we introduce also the jobs that will help support offshore wind, not only in Virginia, but North Carolina and up the East Coast, up to Maine, uh, potentially thousands of new jobs here. Uh, so, you know, electrification of our fleet, hugely important. I personally have driven an electric vehicle for two and a half years. I'm excited about the legislation that was just passed in the General Assembly that will incentivize more EVs and create a better um, uh, a, a better grid and infrastructure for charging, which is really critical. Um, I think we need to look at our state building code to ensure that we have more sustainable uh, building practices and resilient building practices as well. So, uh, yeah, this is something I could talk long, on and on and on about. Um, it's, it's an issue that I've dealt with the local level, the regional level. I serve on the joint sub, joint subcommittee on coastal flooding at the state level. I'm the American Flood Coalition Advisory Board at the federal level, and I'm also co-chair of a climate crisis work group with the New Deal leaders, uh, with uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes from Wisconsin. So, it's something I'm very passionate about, and would definitely want to make a core issue as Lieutenant Governor. Okay. So, out outside of politics, uh, you you've been involved in the business world basically your entire adult life. Uh, how much do you think your experience in that part of your life would help you as lieutenant governor? I, I think, you know, not only the, the specific business expertise, uh, but also sort of the, the customer service, the understanding of how to uh, uh, create relationships. You know, so the first job out of the University of Virginia I had was in industrial sales and marketing. And we were constantly trying to resolve issues, find resources for our customers, um, trying to um, 
uh, identify ways where we could overcome um, barriers. Uh, it, they're all this, the very similar things that I do as a city council person. So, um, you know, those skills just generally are going to be great uh, to bring to the table. Um, having run two small businesses and understanding the challenges of access to capital, understanding the procurement issues, um, trying to find mentors and networking, uh, those are things that are, are very difficult and absolutely things that we need to do a better job on as the Commonwealth. I'm really proud that Norfolk just uh, was selected to be part of the uh, Rockefeller Opportunity Collective, where we're leaning in specifically to uh, micro businesses, small businesses within uh, the uh, women and minority uh, community, because I think we need to do a better job of lifting up uh, those entrepreneurs. And, uh, and then the other work that I've done, I, I did chair the Small Business Advisory Board for the Commonwealth. I was appointed by Governor Warner uh, 2003 to 2005. I served on that board. And now locally, I serve on the boards of 757 Angels, which is an angel investment group, uh, and 757 Accelerate, which is uh, helping entrepreneurs basically get ready to, uh, to begin their investment journey. Okay. Uh, a lot has been brought up in the Democratic primary for this race, at least that I've seen, about the role of the lieutenant governor. Uh, would you try and expand that role, or would you kind of keep it in the role that it is now? So the role that it is now is a part-time role, presides over the Senate, breaks ties, acts as the wingman to the governor, and is the second-in-command uh, should something ever happen to the governor. The role that I would take... Uh, would be a full-time role. I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to do that. Um, I'd want to be a lot more accessible and visible and doing things uh, in the Commonwealth. Uh, I'd love to be able to use that statewide platform to convene resources on the issues that uh, I think are really important. Obviously, you, you work with the governor, whomever she or he is, uh, to figure out what your role is. But if I, if I could create a, a work plan for myself, I'd want to focus, number one, on broadband. I think access to broadband is our number one infrastructure issue, and uh, I think we need to be putting more resources into it. We've done a good job. We need to do a great job. Virginia should look at this as a moonshot opportunity and strive to become the most connected state in the Commonwealth. So whether it's our rural communities that are currently unserved or our urban communities like Norfolk, where 25 percent of our, our, our homes don't have access to high-speed Internet because it's not affordable, we need to be looking at both the unserved and the underserved. Uh, we also need to be looking at digital literacy, making sure people have devices. And so I'd love to convene a, uh, a sort of best practices task force that would bring in uh, federal resources, the private sector, nonprofits, academia, uh, to really address this. They've done this in other states like Maine. And I, I just think we need to raise the profile of this because, listen, high-speed, affordable Internet is not uh, not an amenity, not a nice-to-have. It is a utility and a need-to-have. And it, it, it connects our students to schools. It connects our seniors to their doctors and, quite honestly, registration for vaccines now. It connects our workers to the workplace. It connects our, our farmers to um, uh, future and advanced agriculture. So I, I just think it's a huge issue. Um, obviously, we've already talked about uh, helping small businesses. And I would add to that also making sure that we do a better job with workforce development training on a personal level. You know, my, my family moved here when I was seven to Virginia Beach for my dad's job. And a few years after we arrived, uh, my dad left. And my mom, God love her, had never at that point worked outside of the home. She was one of eight kids, had never gone to college. 
fortunately, she was able to go to Tidewater Community College and after taking a couple of classes, became a technical illustrator and was able to make ends meet for my brother and myself. So that experience is uh, something that is the reason I am where I am today. And as Lieutenant Governor, if I could give back and really focus on supporting our community colleges and our trade schools and apprenticeship programs. And by the way, I think there are gonna be a lot of people as we come out of this COVID economy who need to be retrained and upskilled. Um, I think that would be a great place for me to focus my attention. We talked about uh, we talked about the environment, climate change, adaptation, and mitigation. So I would definitely work on that as well. I serve as vice chair of our public transit authority. So I'd love to see uh, transit transportation um, uh, fo- focused on more. Uh, I think public transit is something that improves the quality of life, is an economic development driver, and also helps us to reduce our carbon footprint. So uh, the more buses, uh, light rail, high-speed rail, multimodal, you know, walking, biking, uh, I think it's just very important for the Commonwealth to have that vision as well. Okay. Uh, I've been I've been lucky enough to have both Sean Perryman and Elizabeth Guzman come on with me and speak with me, and they've both said that in different ways that they would try to pressure the state senate into taking on more progressive legislation, which has kind of been a bane in the side of activist Democrats uh, the last four years. Uh, do you have any similar plans, or would you kind of continue the state senate run itself as a state senate and uh, as it is now? I think you can use the lieutenant governor's role to help caucus with the senators. And I think that's important that you advocate on issues for sure. So, but I also think that there's a limitation as to making the Senate address issues is really, um, I think there's some limitations to how you could do that. Um, but, you know, listen, the, you know, more progressive issues, I think ensuring that everybody has broadband access is an issue of equity and is an incredibly uh, a, 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 incredibly progressive issue addressing more affordable housing something that i'm doing here locally and regionally i think is, is going to be important so yeah I, mean, I think i think it's important to um ensure that we are moving forward and there's progress in virginia but um the role of lieutenant governor is uh is what a tiebreaker so in that regard uh, can make incredible uh, incredibly important decisions on progressive values for sure okay uh some have expressed concern uh, that Virginia Democrats have given too much attention to Northern Virginia uh, in regards to economic policy the last eight years. How will you make sure that all of Virginia benefits from economic growth if you are lieutenant governor? I love that question. Uh, listen, Northern Virginia is an economic development driver. There is no doubt about that. But the rest of Virginia needs more attention. You know, I, I'm from Hampton Roads, the second largest voting block in Virginia. I think having some diversity on our statewide ticket um, and representing other areas is going to be important. Uh, but not only representing Hampton Roads, uh, representing Central Virginia and Southwest Virginia and Southside and the Eastern Shore that I mentioned, uh, I think is going to be important. And the work that I've done statewide thus far, I mentioned some of the statewide um, efforts and initiatives I've been involved with, the, uh, the, the networks and the understanding I have there is going to be important for sure. I'm going to get back to this broadband issue. If we want to expand jobs and business throughout the Commonwealth, there has to be high-speed, reliable, affordable Internet there. One of the things I'm doing here in Hampton Roads, I helped to stand up our regional broadband ring effort where we are connecting five cities' infrastructure together to create a 110-mile highway of municipally-owned fiber that will connect to the subsea cables coming into Virginia Beach. Why is that important? 
it's the fastest internet speed of anything coming onto the East Coast. And we, through this uh, this new uh, Southside Network Authority, are going to be able to market out that additional capacity and fiber and bring in more internet providers uh, to try and lower our prices and increase our speeds. And it's a huge economic development driver. We want to extend that throughout the entire Commonwealth, too. But listen, this is a lieutenant governor's job is one of one of its roles uh, in code is to be a member of the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. So by with my business background, my sales and marketing background, uh, the ability to go out and help attract businesses is going to be important. And I love I'm, I'm ready to take that on. But businesses will only come here if we've got good workers. So we've got to also ensure that people are trained, that they're paid fairly, and um, that they're educated well. Uh, and so I think it's it's two sides of the coin. As Democrats, we often, um, you know, we don't talk about business enough. Um, and I don't know why, but the Republicans often have the um, uh, people think of the Republicans as being the, the business friendly party. Democrats are business friendly. We're about jobs. Um, good jobs, good paying jobs. And so we've got to ensure that we focus on that and, and work with the business community to uh, to create those for sure. Okay. So uh, obviously to become lieutenant governor, uh, you'd have to resign your seat on the Norfolk City Council, which you've been a part of since 2016. Uh, what would you say has been your greatest accomplishment so far in your time on that council? I am... Uh... You know, I'm proud of a lot of different things that I've done, both within the city and within the region. Um, you know, in the city, one of the things that I created was an event called Engage Norfolk, and I've held it for four years. Uh, it was something I started soon after coming into office um, when I came back on a train from the Women's March in D.C., and I saw all these folks who all of a sudden were woke, right? They were like, i got to get involved, and I've got to do something, but they didn't know where to start. And so I stood up this event with a handful of grassroots volunteers in three weeks, and we had over a thousand people show up to the first event. Our theme was turn your passion into action, and we had over 100 organizations there, all the elected officials. We held civic workshops, and we've had that same turnout every year. I think connecting the dots between those who want to help and those who need the help is something I'm very proud of and something I'd love to scale statewide. Because I think we uh, we have a lot of human capital that exists throughout the Commonwealth that isn't being put to good use. And so uh, to the extent that we can connect those dots, I think that's going to be really important. Um, really focusing on public service as we come out of this COVID economy, helping the kids who are going to need extra tutoring and mentoring, um, helping seniors, um, helping with our local communities where, listen, in Norfolk, we've had to cut our budgets for uh, mowing grass and taking care of our parks, and we need volunteers out helping us with that. Um, so as, as Lieutenant Governor, I'd love to be the Chief Engagement Officer, work with the Commonwealth, uh, the Secretary of the Commonwealth on our boards and commissions efforts, but also expand that to just uh, really create a brand that we are the Commonwealth that cares. Uh, outside of that, from a regional standpoint, I'm proud of the work that I've done on our regional branding effort for the 757. Uh, which is how we like to refer to uh, Hampton Roads now, um, the regional broadband ring, a huge effort. Uh, getting five cities to jointly invest infrastructure dollars is uh, not an easy task. I'm very proud of that. And that's in general chairing the Hampton Roads Planning District Commission, which represents the 17 municipalities or 1.7 million people of the region. It's, you know, Joe, it's a bit of a microcosm of the Commonwealth. It's 
includes very rural counties uh, like Southampton and Surrey and Isle of Wight, very urban communities like Norfolk and Hampton, and, and suburban and exurban areas like Chesapeake and James City County, Republicans and Democrats alike. And the fact of the matter is we sit together monthly and we tackle regional issues. We've come up with a standard to address sea level rise. We've we've gone all in to support offshore wind. Uh, we've tackled this broadband access issue that I've already mentioned. And most recently, we've all come together to address the issue of vaccine distribution. And in January, to be honest with you, we had a lot of concerns about where things were going in the Commonwealth on vaccine distribution and sent a joint letter to the governor outlining our concerns and ideas on how we could improve. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that the governor's office responded and has adopted some of our suggestions. And um, those are the sorts of things when you can bring people together and build coalitions, regardless of party, and get things done. That is the that is the background that I bring and uh, the skill set that I look to uh, deploy as lieutenant governor. Okay, so you've already mentioned broadband uh, access is one of your big policies, but so can you give me two more uh, that you'd push for if you're elected lieutenant governor? Well, yeah, I mean, again, I, I focusing on workforce development. How do we how do we ensure that our community colleges are more accessible and uh, the best quality possible? So are we are we we need to examine um, the pay scale of our professors in our community colleges? Because if we want to, uh, we want to provide the best education, we need the best teachers. So that's number one. Looking at how we can make community colleges more affordable. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the new G3 program that was just adopted by the General Assembly, which is uh, reducing the cost and providing stipends for those who are going uh, to community colleges. But I think we need to continue to examine that. But also work with our, our trade schools and our CTE or um, career and technical education programs and our K-12 institutions. And how do we uh, how do we pair up between our high schools and our community colleges for dual enrollment programs so that we are ensuring when our kids graduate that they are ready for uh, either college, military, or career? Um, here in Norfolk, one of the things that we've brought to the area is a, a, a school called the Aviation Institute of Maintenance. Um, it basically trains our airline mechanics. And what I found recently from them and learned was that 80% of the folks who work on our airplanes are 50 years old or older. So, and this is something that apparently is, is as I'm learning, is an issue throughout our trades. We have a big chasm between um, and, and from ages, and there's just going to be a, a lot of folks in, in need of building trades, HVAC, airline mechanics, et cetera. And so as a Commonwealth and as lieutenant governor, I'd love to focus on those middle-skilled jobs and how we can um, how we can expand those and make sure we're training people up for those jobs, as well as the green jobs of the future that are going to be dealing with all of the solar, offshore wind, um, energy efficiency, uh, the new grid, et cetera. Um, so that's number, you asked me for two, that would be number one. Um, the second thing would be to continue to work on environmental issues, um, and specifically um, flooding. Uh, you know, flooding is not just a coastal Virginia issue anymore. It is an issue in Roanoke and Danville and Stanton and Alexandria and Chesterfield. Uh, because of climate change, we're seeing these increased precipitation events, or what some people call rain bombs. And these uh these uh, situations, these events are, are causing major uh, structural damage within towns and counties and cities around the Commonwealth. So I have um, called for the creation of a Commonwealth flood board 
that would be similar to the Commonwealth Transportation Board to address flooding throughout the entire state. I um, would love to focus on that. And that really deals with the climate change adaptation measures that we already mentioned. Uh, of course, we need to continue to focus on expanding the Virginia Clean Economy Act um, and to the extent that we can ramp up and become, uh, you know, advance our energy goals um, to uh, to get to our, our goals sooner, that would be great too. Um, and then work with industry, um, work with our communities. Um, I'd love to see uh, more solar throughout all of our communities. Um, I've worked locally to get solar on some of our local churches, for example, um, our schools, all of our municipal buildings. And I, I think that's something we need to focus on as well. Okay, and then one final question for you, Andrea. Uh, you've just been sworn in, you've become Lieutenant Governor. What's the first thing you do? hug my family (laughs) (laughs) who have been amazing for this journey thus far. Um, Listen, this is really hard to run a statewide race in the middle of a pandemic in a field of eight people. And while the good news is I've been home more than I would typically be because so much of this is virtual, I am holed up in my living room with the door closed and a ring light on my face most days. And I start at 8 a.m. and I'm finished by 9 or 10 p.m. And I don't mind working hard, but um, they have been troopers and they have just supported me. And um, I'm just I'm fortunate to have them in my camp um, and, and my two very patient dogs who uh, are, are walked a lot less frequently now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I've got three boys, um, 16, 19 and 22 and an amazing husband. Um, and I think the first thing I would do is say thank them. I would thank my, my staff and my volunteers. I've just got an amazing team. And you can't run a race and be successful unless you have just the most uh, committed folks ever. And I'm, I'm just really grateful to have those folks. You know, after that, I think you start to, you sit down with the governor and you, you set an agenda. And you determine what the governor's goals are. And I would, I would put forth my goals that I've already mentioned in terms of broadband and workforce development and addressing environmental issues. Um, and, and, and then get to work. Um, you know, you're sworn in in January. So the first thing I would have to do, of course, would be presiding over the Senate. But once I got through that, um, I hope to be out in the community. I hope people will see a lot of me, hear, hear from me a lot. And I want to be very accessible and be a lieutenant governor for the people. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Andrea McClellan. She is, again, a Norfolk City Councilwoman running for lieutenant governor on the Democratic side. Uh, Andrea, I want to thank you for coming on with me this, this morning and wish you luck in your campaign. Thank you, sir. Take care. Be well. Thank you very much, man. Bye-bye.